This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that dares to touch history without the aid of a 39-and-a-half-foot pole. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about the time when the Grinch tried to stop Christmas from coming and forever linked himself with the holiday in the process. The day was December 18th, 1966. Dr. Seuss' How the Grinch Stole Christmas aired for the very first time on CBS. The special, directed by Chuck Jones and Ben Washam, is fondly remembered for its expressive animation and clever songwriting, as well as for its message of kindness over commercialism. It tells the story of a grumpy, mountain-dwelling hermit known simply as the Grinch. Annoyed by his Christmas-loving neighbors in the town below, the Grinch decides to ruin their holiday so that he can mope around in peace. His plan is nearly thwarted along the way by a surprise encounter with the adorable Cindy Lou Who, but the Grinch recovers and manages to steal all the trappings of Christmas. However, the Grinch later has a change of heart, or more precisely, a growth of heart when he sees proof that the holiday wasn't as hollow as it had looked from a distance. Softened by this realization, he returns all the stolen goods and joins the residents of Whoville for a grand holiday feast. The How the Grinch Stole Christmas TV special was based on the 1957 story of the same name by Theodore Ted Geisel, better known as Dr. Seuss. In an interview with Red Book magazine upon the book's release, the author revealed that the character of the Grinch was actually based on himself. As he explained, quote, I was brushing my teeth on the morning of the 26th of last December when I noted a very Grinchish countenance in the mirror. It was Seuss. Something had gone wrong with Christmas, I realized, or more likely, with me. So I wrote the story about my sour friend, the Grinch, to see if I could rediscover something about Christmas that obviously I'd lost. It took the author just a few weeks to sort out the problem and the story, with Geisel later describing it as the easiest book to write of his whole career. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was well-received upon release, and the book continues to be a top seller over 60 years later but it was the TV special in the 1960s that gave the story a wider audience and made the Grinch a true icon of Christmas, right up there with Frosty and Rudolph. NBC had launched the trend of animated holiday specials when they aired Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol in 1962. The network followed it two years later with the stop-motion classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and that's when things really started to heat up. In 1965, CBS jumped on the holiday special bandwagon with a Charlie Brown Christmas, and a year later, it was the Grinch's turn. The project began not with the MGM studio or the CBS network, but with legendary cartoon animator and director Chuck Jones. 
he felt the Grinch's story was perfectly suited for its own animated special, a project he took on while under contract with MGM. Jones had actually worked with Ted Geisel years earlier, during World War II. Geisel had served as commander of the animation department for the Army's first motion picture unit. In that role, he worked closely with Jones, who was still under contract at Warner Brothers, on a humorous instructional cartoon series called Private Snafu. The black and white shorts featured the bumbling title character trying, and often failing, to demonstrate the do's and don'ts of Army safety and security protocol. The shorts were originally classified for military personnel only, but they've since been released to the public and are definitely worth a look for fans of either artist. It was because of this prior working relationship that Geisel ultimately agreed to grant Jones the rights to make an animated Grinch special for television. The author had been burned by adaptations of his work before, including one production that had left his name out of the credits. The experiences had soured his view of Hollywood and made him reluctant to part with the screen rights for his books. But in the end, Geisel couldn't refuse a personal request from an old collaborator, and with Jones at the helm, he knew his story would be in good hands. However, getting Geisel on board was only half the battle for Jones. He still needed to convince CBS to air the special, and to do that, he would first have to find a sponsor to cover the production costs. At the time, television specials weren't funded by studios and production companies like they are today. Instead, the projects were paid for by company sponsors, like when Coca-Cola sponsored the Peanuts Christmas special. Jones made storyboards to show his intentions for the special and pitched them to over two dozen companies, none of whom were willing to pony up the cash. Finally, at the 11th hour, Jones found a sponsor in, of all things, the Foundation for Commercial Banks. The director later remarked on the irony of the endorsement, saying, quote, I thought that was very odd, because one of the great lines in there is that the Grinch says, perhaps Christmas doesn't come from a store. I never thought of a banker endorsing that kind of a line, but they overlooked it, so we went ahead and made the picture. It was no small investment, either. All told, the 26-minute special cost more than $300,000 to make, which would be nearly $2.5 million today. For reference, A Charlie Brown Christmas had a budget of about $96,000. Spending three times that amount on a special of the same length was unprecedented, but the money was put to good use. The substantial budget allowed for more detailed animation and higher production values than other TV cartoons of the era. Apologies to Peanuts. The extra money came in handy, because Jones and his fellow animators had to fill in a lot of missing details when adapting The Grinch for television. The original book had been illustrated with simple line drawings and a limited color palette, consisting mostly of black and white, with occasional splashes of light pink and red. Jones knew the two-tone style wouldn't fly for a TV special, so one of the first changes he made was to color the Grinch green. 
He reportedly chose the now iconic shade because all of his rental cars in Washington state had been the same ugly green color. Geisel approved of the change, but when Jones first showed him the new design, the author exclaimed, That doesn't look like the Grinch, that looks like you! Jones, who had often used his own gestures and expressions as models for his characters, replied, Well, it happens. Aside from fleshing out the illustrated world of the story, Chuck Jones also had to supply new story details in order to fill out the 26-minute runtime. The entire text of the book was incorporated in the special, with a few minor tweaks here and there, but it only takes about 12 minutes to read the whole book out loud. Jones came up with a few solutions for extending the story. The first was to beef up the role of Max, the Grinch's long-suffering dog and only companion. Jones viewed Max as the stand-in for the audience, a disapproving observer who was powerless to stop the Grinch's scheme, but hoped it would fail all the same. The other additions to the story were three songs featuring lyrics penned by Dr. Seuss himself. One of those songs, titled Welcome Christmas, was written in what Jones referred to as Seussian Latin. This was an attempt to write a new, secular carol that mimicked the sounds of a classical religious carol, such as Adeste Fidelis, or as it's known in English, O Come All Ye Faithful. Jones didn't think it mattered that their carol was composed of nonsense words because, as he put it, quote, Fahu fores dahu dores seems to have as much authenticity as Adeste Fidelis to those unauthored in Latin. The director was later proven right on the matter because, after the special aired, numerous viewers wrote to CBS requesting translations of the quote-unquote Latin lyrics. Another of the special's original songs is Trim Up the Tree with Christmas Stuff, a jaunty square dance-style number written by German composer Albert Haig. It's a delightful tongue-twisting ode to the excesses of Christmas celebration, and probably the only song ever written that encourages the listener to, quote, hang dang donglers on the bathtub and trim the occupant with floof. There's not a bad track in the special, but the standout is, of course, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. While the other two songs were sung by an uncredited chorus representing the Who's of Whoville, You're a Mean One was sung by Thurl Ravenscroft. You may not know the name, but you certainly know his booming voice, which he lent to the Frosted Flakes mascot Tony the Tiger for more than 50 years. Thurl was also a frequent voiceover artist for many classic attractions at Disneyland, including the Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, and my personal favorite, Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Thurl didn't receive an on-screen credit for singing You're a Mean One, and as a result, most viewers mistakenly thought it was sung by the special's narrator, Boris Karloff. Geisel, who had gone through the experience of not getting a credit, tried to correct the oversight. He encouraged columnists to credit Thurl in their publications, but going off of the continued misattribution, I'm guessing the effort to get the word out wasn't very effective. 
It likely didn't help that many critics of the time gave the special a lukewarm review. For instance, one critic could only muster enough enthusiasm to say it was, quote, probably as good as most of the other holiday cartoons. I can't see why anybody would dislike it. Others said the special's themes were too on the nose, and that a lot of the magic had been lost in the story's translation from page to screen. The New York Times was especially protective of the sacred Susian text, calling it, quote, a creation that should be left undisturbed on the printed page. In the end, it didn't really matter what the critics thought. The special's premiere was watched by 38 million viewers, and has since gone on to become required holiday viewing for millions of families worldwide. The Grinch proved so popular that CBS eventually commissioned two more specials featuring the character. The first, a prequel called Halloween is Grinch Night, premiered in 1977, and the second, a crossover called The Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat, in 1982. Both specials went on to win Emmy Awards, but neither became a perennial classic like the original. The Grinch may have failed to steal Christmas, but he succeeded in stealing the public's heart, something he seems destined to hold on to for years and years to come. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I'd love to know what kind of Christmas stuff you trim up your tree with. I'm partial to Wifferbloofs myself, but I'd never say no to a good Pantuka. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.